Good morning, church. Good morning to all of you online as well. It is so wonderful to be with all of you. I am in the process of moving my house. 26 years of stuff. Didn't think I had that much stuff. Yesterday I enlisted my kids and their friends, and I had them come over and and had them help me lift a bunch of heavy things and move them. Uh, Just as a little way of saying thanks, I ran down early in the morning to Heights Bakery and uh, got a, a dozen donuts, and I got a hodgepodge of things, and in that hodgepodge I got a few of, I'm not a big donut guy, but the only donut that matters to me. And that's a Bavarian cream filled chocolate iced donut. And I wake up this morning, and so my wife and I have been kind of just helping each other watch what we eat, and um, I wake up this morning, and what's left in the box? But a Bavarian cream filled chocolate iced donut. And so when she's not looking, I kind of just wrapped it up in a napkin, grabbed my coffee, went over there and said, honey, can I have a kiss goodbye? And she looks at me and she looks at my hand and she looks back up and she says, you're going to kiss me with those cheating lips? <laughs> like, the word, like the lyrics of a country song or something. I'm so glad though to be here and we're a part of this serve month. We're all over halfway through this journey. On week one, missionary Peter Warren talked about encouraging us to stay the course and serve for kingdom impact. Then the following week, we dug into Jesus' account where he took a small thing, a young boy's lunch, and miraculously fed over 5,000 families. And in that miracle, we were encouraged and challenged to do the small things we can do and allow God to do the big things, the miracles. Last week, we looked at how Jesus sent out his 12 disciples, two by two, to radically serve in love. And then how when they go out together and serve, it exponentially increases our effectiveness. That's why we were challenged last week, let's do this whole backpack thing together. And let's see God exponentially increase our effectiveness. If you missed any of those, you can catch them online on our YouTube page. At the outset of this challenge, or at the outset of this month, our encouragement and challenge to all of you has been simply listen to Jesus and do what he says. Instead of the church providing some large serve-together opportunity, which those are great, those are wonderful, but it's easy to kind of get done with that and go, okay, my service is done. Instead of doing that, we wanted you to commission to listen to Jesus and do what he says. Our desire for each of you is that you would experience the adventure of living by faith so that acts of service don't just become something that you do, like isolated incidents, but they become this lifestyle of following Jesus. And I have to tell you, it's been so fun to hear all of the different stories and examples of your acts of giving, your acts of generosity. If you haven't done that yet, you can catch one of us on staff, or when you go on our Facebook page or our website, there's a pop-up screen, and you can just type in your serve story. If you haven't taken the time yet to listen to Jesus and do what he says, it's not too late. Jesus made this radical statement recorded in Matthew 20, 28, where he says, I did not come to be served, but to serve, to give my life as a ransom for many. And then Jesus calls and modeled for us, a, calls us to a very specific way of living that involves giving our lives away. And that concept is one of the concepts that Jesus spoke about in all four gospels. In, the, in, in all four gospels, Jesus says, follow me. In all four Gospels, Jesus says, don't be afraid. He institutes communion in all four Gospels. 
he foretells about his death and resurrection. And in all four Gospels, he gives this radical message that if you want to save your life, you must lose it. You must give it away. He says so in Luke 9, 24 and 25, where Jesus says these words, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for, my, for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? The idea that is that if we want to keep it, we have to give it away, which stands in complete opposition to our culture. Our culture says, in order to keep it, you've got to what? Keep it. In math, that's called a zero-sum game. If I give you some, I will have less. We are very familiar with zero-sum situations. Bavarian cream-filled chocolate ice donuts are a zero-sum situation. If I give you more, I get less. Monopoly is a zero-sum situation. In the end, someone's going to take all the money and everyone else is going to be bankrupt. Football or any competition or sport is a zero-sum game. Someone is going to win, someone's going to lose. That is, of course, unless you're playing soccer, where you can tie. Yuck. I mean, that's soccer. I like soccer. The tying part. I'm too competitive. Zero-sum games are based on the scarcity mindset. There's only so much to go around, and so I need to get what I can. But God's kingdom is different. God's kingdom is built on this. In order to keep it, you have to give it away. God's kingdom is a positive-sum game. Because with God, resources are not finite. They're infinite. First John tells us that God is love. And the greatest expression of love is to give. I mean, God is a giver. The most quoted verse in the Bible, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he, he gave. He gave. He's lavishly generous. In God's positive sum game, everyone wins when you're a generous giver. We've all heard stories of people who are generous in their giving, and they inspire us. I read an article this last week about an Argentinian writer named Hernan Casari. He's staying in an Airbnb in Uruguay, and he suffered a heart attack. His Airbnb hosts, Javier and Alejandra, are the first responders. They arranged for a police escort to the hospital. They stayed with him during his surgery. They donated their own blood on his behalf. After his recovery, he writes this five-star review that I'm going to quote for you. He goes this on Airbnb site. Excellent house for sedentary travelers prone to myocardial infarctions. <laughs> this area is beautiful and has, and has direct access to the best hospitals. Javier and Alejandra instantly become guardian angels who will save your life without even knowing you. They will rush you to the hospital in their own car while you're dying and then stay in the waiting room while the doctors give you a bypass. They don't want you to feel lonely so they will bring books to read and they'll let you stay in their house extra nights without charging you. Highly recommend. <laughs> it's awesome though, isn't it? When they are just going about their every day-to-day -day life, God presents them with this opportunity to be lavish, generous givers and they went for it. I mean, being a generous giver is celebrated so often in our culture. The challenge for us is this. We can sometimes think we're a really generous giver, but in actuality, we're not. As humans, we're prone to self-deception. And since confession is good for the soul, I'll start out this morning and I'll confess to you, and I'm going to say these simple words. I'm John and I'm a hoarder. 
Now, not of my stuff, although after moving in after 26 years, you would think I, I mean, you accumulate things. But I can be a hoarder of my time, of my talents, of my resources. You may be too. You ever been in a grocery store stuck behind somebody who's just really slow, and you begin doing the math in your head. You're thinking, my gosh, this woman in front of me is going 15 feet per second, or 15, whatever, 15 seconds per foot. She has 26 items in her basket, and so if I just kind of head this way and cut her off, I can then get to the line faster. Or you ever get a phone call, and you look down on it, and you go, oof, I'm never going to be able to have this conversation in a quick manner. I think I'll just pass. Or you're in an Uber or on an airplane or someplace in public, and you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I really just don't want to talk to that person next to me. We've all had those moments where we hoard, Right? But there's something so beautiful, so contagious about generosity that when we go above and beyond what we think we can offer, it changes the way we see our world. When we go above and beyond what we think and we, what we can offer, it changes the way we see our world. And Jesus gave this incredible upside-down order that in order to keep your life, what do you need to do? Give it away. And so for the rest of this time, I just want to talk about three things that we need to give away in order to keep our lives. How practically does this upside down kingdom work? The first is this, to keep our well-being, to keep our well-being, we have to give away our treasure. We have to give away our treasures. This is so counterintuitive. To keep our health, to keep our wholeness, to keep our well-being, we actually have to give away what we have. Jesus says in Matthew 6, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Our treasure isn't just our money, it's our time. It's our talents, it's our resources, it's our energy, it's the way that we engage with others. And in this passage, notice, the problem is not that you have treasure. <laughs> That's not the problem. The problem is what you do with it. That's what matters. In the economy of God, the way we give away our treasure, it's a positive sum game. It's a win-win for everyone. In a recent study, it was found that spending money on others, hear this, spending money on others can be as effective as lowering your blood pressure as exercise and medication. And researchers found it doesn't matter how much you spent. It's simply the act of deciding to, go, to do good on the behalf of someone else that it creates a sense of well-being on the part of the giver. In God's positive sum game, giving is actually getting. Proverbs 11.25 says this, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Now science is telling us what the Bible's told us for centuries and that's like, in order to keep your well-being, you give it away. Be generous. Do it even when you don't feel like it because it's going to change something fundamentally inside of you. Generosity is the antidote, powerful antidote to anxiety. It activates a part of the brain that releases oxytocin, which is a powerful feel-good chemical. God has wired us that when we refresh others, we're refreshed. And so a wonderful diagnostic, a wonderful question to ask you about your faith this morning that I want you to ask yourself is this. Am I experiencing well-being in my life today? In my work, 
in my relationships, in my family, do I feel like I am living well? If not, have you been hoarding? Does God want you to bless someone? Because when you do that, there's going to be a refreshment that comes, and God actually rewires the way we experience our world. So to keep our well-being, we have to give away our treasures. Secondly, to keep our focus, we have to give away our faith. To keep our focus, we have to give away our faith. Jesus told his disciples two things after the resurrection. The first one he said was go and make disciples. And then the second one he said was you will be my witnesses. There's a wonderful kind of connection between those two phrases. When he says go and make disciples, he's saying go and teach people how to live the Jesus lifestyle that you're living. In other words, when you've experienced his amazing grace and his amazing love in your life, then share about it. Be his witness. Jesus says pretty clearly, others aren't going to know about your faith by your doctrine or your rules, but because you personally experienced Jesus' abundant life, and then you've shared that experience with others. That's how we give away our faith. Paul puts it powerfully in Colossians 1. He says this, since then you've been raised with Christ. Okay, so since what needed to be done has been done, Jesus Christ went to the cross, died for your sins, was resurrected, gave you power over sin, victory over death. Since what needs to be done has been done, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When we surrender our hearts, when we surrender our very lives to Jesus, our souls have a new location. We've been raised with Christ, which means the things that you strive for, the things that you fear, the things that you do because you want to feel like you belong, they're hidden and secure now. They're not the focus anymore because you have a new location for your soul. Paul says it this way in Philippians 1, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Because our souls have a new location, we're citizens of heaven, we don't have to live like the world lives. We have a different calling. I know for me personally, when my focus is on Jesus, I don't get so caught up in the rat race of this world. My mind isn't cluttered with worldly pursuits. I am secure in who God's called me to be and what he's doing in me, and I walk in the freedom that Jesus can provide. But when my focus is not on Jesus, oh, I easily become distracted and stressed. I begin to pursue the wrong things, and I'm no longer walking in the freedom and new life that Jesus provides. You may have been very aware of this, but each service since Easter, we've been giving each of you and each of you online an opportunity to say yes to God's amazing love, to say yes to following Jesus. It's been very intentional because it's the greatest way to live and the only way to die. There are some of you listening to me right now, whether here or online, and you've never said yes to Jesus. There are some of you sitting right here and and sitting online where you realize your focus has gotten distracted or been misplaced. You're not living like citizens of heaven You're finding yourself caught up in the things of this world and it's causing anxiousness inside of you or you're running yourself ragged, chasing after things that won't last. So like we've done each week since Easter, we're gonna pause. 
We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. We're going to ask him to reveal any areas where we may have gotten off track. And whether it be for the first time or for the hundred and first time, we're going to ask Jesus to instead fill our lives with his purpose and his peace, his indescribable joy. All right, let's go ahead and bow our heads now. Close your eyes. You can do it online as well. We want to give each of you an opportunity to say yes and to renew that focus on Jesus. And so if you would, let's just all pray together. You can just repeat after me out loud. Heavenly Father, sorry that I have sinned against you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Please send your Holy Spirit to live in me. Today I say yes to following you. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed in the wonderful safety of this moment, I just want you to go ahead and if you're saying yes to Jesus this morning, to go ahead and just raise your hand. Online, you can just type it in the comments, yes. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. That's awesome. Beautiful. Yes. God, we thank you that we can say yes to you. That because of what you've done for us, we respond and we say, yes, Jesus. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you that raised your hands here in person, for those of you that said yes online, first of all, those here in person, we do have a blue table over here. We just want to celebrate with you. If you'd want to stop by, we have some resources. We want to encourage you to take your next steps. For you online, you can go to redeemermn.org slash next steps, and we'll help you with that. When we say yes to God, we are God's children. And as his kids, we become image bearers of him and his DNA. His DNA of generosity is within us. As you know, I have a first grandson that was born March 1, first grandchild. He's kind of cute. I think so. But as I interact with him, I'm reminded of some of the interactions I had with my own kids. And even kids can go through that stage where everything is mine. You can see the spirit of God's generosity DNA inside of them. I remember when Mike and my son was just a little guy and we would play a little game together. He would pop the pacifier out of his mouth and he'd hold it up to me. And I'd say, oh, you want to give that to me? And I would say, thank you, and I would take it. And then I'd say, oh, do you want it back? And he would grab it out of my hand and pop it back in his mouth. And he would smile. All throughout the Bible, we're told about this God who's a, a generous giver, who's rich in mercy and kindness and wisdom and in grace. Generosity, hear this, generosity natural, is a natural outflow of a grateful heart for what God has done in your life. Generosity is a natural outflow of a truly grateful heart for what God has done. So to keep our focus, we have to give away our faith. We have to live it and experience it and then share about that experience. I mean, we all share about things that we care about, right? <laughs> oh, John, have you tried this new thing at Chipotle? John, have you done this? John, we do. In order to keep our focus, we have to give away our faith. Lastly, to keep our, to keep our joy, to keep our joy, 
We have to give away the outcomes. We have to give away the outcomes. How many of you have done something generous and had it kind of, they didn't respond quite the way you hoped? <laughs> Maybe it was even thrown back in your face. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was driving in the freeway and we were doing that merging thing. You know that zipper? You're supposed to go up there and you're supposed to zipper. Well, we get up there and I kind of wave to the person next to me, thinking I'm being all generous and kind. And what did they do? They flipped me off. <laughs> My first thought, I have to admit, was I'm going to flip you out back. I didn't, fortunately, but I thought it. When we give away our lives, we can so easily get caught up in the outcomes, especially now that I'm reminding you that being generous is so good for you. In our sinful hearts, we can easily kind of see for a selfish twist that if I give it away, well, then I'm going to get something back. But the true joy of giving it away has nothing to do with the outcomes. It has everything to do with the act. Our generosity is not designed to compel anybody but us. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 9. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. This passage basically says that the motive behind the act is more important than the act itself. We don't give of ourselves because of what we're going to get. When we know what our treasure is in Jesus Christ and God gives us an opportunity to give away and we generously give it, that's when true joy is found. That's why we've been challenging all of us. Let's listen to Jesus and do what he says. As a church, we're in the business of keeping it by what? Giving it away. That's what God's calling us to do. Remember the Airbnb story I told about Javier and Alejandro and how they just were generous with their lives. Well, I'm going to give you the Paul Harvey, this is the rest of the story right here. Javier, the, 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 the man, was no stranger to medical emergencies. Earlier, earlier in his life, he'd been diagnosed with kidney disease, and he traveled about broad frequently, and he often had to undergo dialysis while he was traveling. So he created an app for your phone so that you could connect people when they're traveling to places where they can get medical help. And when the man... Henry had the heart attack and wrote the review. It made its way up all the way up to the co-founder of Airbnb. And he flew down to meet Javier and Alejandra. And he ended up funding Javier's app, <laughs> which now reaches over 250,000 people around the world who connect people who need medical help to places where they can find it. All because of one act of generosity. We do and we give because God calls us to be a people who do and give. God gives us the ability to keep our joy, to keep our focus, to keep our real treasure by doing what? Giving it away. In small ways and big ways, we want to devote ourselves as a church to being generous givers because it reflects to the world out there, to those around you, an abundant and generous God. We want to be irrationally generous with our skills, with our relationships, with our finances, because you've heard God's voice and you know that the greatest expression of love is to give. You know what? I get to go to a faith leaders meeting with a bunch of school administrators right here in this community. And oftentimes I'm there and they'll be like, oh, Redeemer, thanks for your giving. Oh, Redeemer, thanks for helping us out. Oh, Redeemer, thanks for the backpacks. We so appreciate it. But I long for the day 
when you're out there just living life, God kind of prompts you, the Holy Spirit prompts you, you do something generously, outrageously generous, and the person responds, you know what, you must be from Redeemer. Why would you say that? Because the way you give, the way you love. Church, we have a secure hope, a treasure that will never spoil, never fade, never perish. We have a hope in God that does not fluctuate like the stock market or political climate or your bank account. God is steady and stable and abundant, and he generously provides for each of us over and over again. So just two two questions as we close. The first one I could simply state as you look inside is this. What treasure are you holding on to too tightly right now? Is it your time, your skills, your connection, your money, your mercy, your energy? Which treasure is the hardest for you to let go of? Which leads to my next question. What's the generous gift God wants you to give away this week? (laughs) This week, we want each of you to pray. To pause for a few moments and say, God, how can I be generous next Sunday, July 31st? Because next Sunday, we're not going to come to a church service. We're going to come and get commissioned and send you out to go serve. Because the greatest expression of love is to give. And so next Sunday, let me be real real clear, we're going to meet right here in this spot at 9 a.m. All you online, we're going to be right here at 9 o'clock in the morning. We're going to pray over the backpacks that we have. (laughs) And then we're going to commission you to go serve. And we want you just to go and do the thing that God is calling you to do. Again, oftentimes when we think of service, we think, well, I got to go mow someone's lawn to bless them, or I got to go do some physical act. While those physical acts are great, that could be what God's calling you to do, you can give and serve in so many amazing ways. I know a couple weeks ago we were talking about it, and Brian Montague said, well, my wife and my two boys, we're going to be gone. So we're going to watch the commissioning online, and then what we're going to do, because we're going to be not in our normal spot, we're going to grab my phone, and we're going to scroll through the contact list, and we're just going to listen to the Holy Spirit. And every name that God puts on our heart, we're just going to pause. We're going to write a little blessing. We're going to, write, write a little, we're going to text a little prayer, and we're going to send it. I'm thinking, that's brilliant. I mean, there are so many ways. If you're lacking for ideas... There is a sheet up there at the welcome desk that just said 12 ideas for serving. There is a million and 12 ideas for serving, but here's 12 just to kind of get you going. And so next week when you come, we're going to gather for a few minutes. We're going to bless these backpacks, and we're going to commission you to go serve. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. I can't wait for next week. I've never done this before. I mean, usually we come to church and we come to be served. But next week we're going to come and get commissioned and go serve. And I can't think of a better way to reflect the nature, the love, the goodness of God. So we'll see you at nine next week, whether right here in this room or online. All right, let's pray. God, (laughs) we thank you for your generosity that you are a generous God, that it is, it is in your nature to give. God, you are rich in mercy for each one of us. God, you have abundant grace for all of us. God, thank you that when we say yes to you, that we're, our, our souls get placed in a new location and we have a new citizenship.
God, thank you for the challenge and the encouragement to give away our lives just like Jesus. Father, open us, help us see the ways that we might hold too tightly to the treasure that you've so freely given. And then help us, Lord, just to open our hands and give it away. God, when you speak that generous thing that you want us to do, give us the courage to just go do it. We pray that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.